Sue Matheson tells us, as an updated version of the Midnight Double feature, Rocky Horror parodies the science fiction genre established in the 1930s by movies like Dr. X, The Invisible Man, King Kong, and Flash Gordon. At the beginning of the Rocky Horror movie, a pair of disembodied lips, known as Lips or the Usherette, floating in the vacuum of outer space, carefully prepares its viewers' expectations by reminding the audience that Rocky Horror follows directly in the footsteps of the following late-night classics. This film, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Also, it came from outer space. Forbidden Planet, Tarantula, The Day of the Triffids, Curse of the Demon, and When Worlds Collide. For members of the audience who are not familiar with this genre, at times an uneasy blend of gothic sensibility and hard science, Lips outlines its standard elements. Designed for the teenage imagination, the message from outer space contained in such pictures runs accordingly. A mad scientist, Dr. X, say, will build a creature, and there will be androids fighting. The viewers should expect that the alien monster is finally killed and some terrible thrills will happen throughout the movie. True to this rather rudimentary formula, Rocky Horror's Dr. Frank Enferder does build a creature, and Brad and Janet, who become like androids after experiencing the Medusa Ray, engage in a series of lovers' spats. These parodies, especially those associated with the stories Hero and Heroine, offer a critique of such apparently reasonable institutions as home and family, dad and mom and apple pie, according to Avaram. Moreover, as generic and social conventions collapse, the result is complete carnival. And that means all that is marginalized and excluded in American culture, the mad, the scandalous, the aleatory, takes over the center in what Robert Stam would identify as a liberating explosion of otherness. All that from Sue Matheson in an essay titled Drinking Those Moments When, in the collection reading Rocky Horror, a volume that tells us it's not just sci-fi and B-horror films that are parodied in Rocky Horror, but old Hollywood musicals as well. But Rocky Horror's roots hardly explain the results rendered by Richard O'Brien and his stage play that had its premiere in London in 1973. The show's become a movie, of course, and it's reached cult status around the world, both movie and musical. The Little Theatre of Wilkes-Barre is preparing for its eighth annual production of the Rocky Horror Show this weekend, and members of the cast and the crew and even the theater's general manager descended on the WVIA studios to talk about a theatrical phenomenon that can be difficult to explain. David Parmalee, Little Theatre's general manager, and an actor playing Dr. Scott, Yvonne Barnes, director, Alyssa Thomas, choreographer, and actors Michael Speranzo, who plays Eddie, and Mikhail Baden, who is the narrator, criminologist in the cast. 
Little Theatre of Wilkes-Barre is marking its 100th anniversary this season, and we begin with what's become an annual tradition at the theatre. David Parmalee. Isn't it amazing when we apply the word tradition to the Rocky Horror Show? Yeah. <laughs> it is the least traditional thing one could imagine, and yet it has become a tradition. And I remember the board meeting. It was one of the first I had ever attended as part of the board. And Walter Mitchell said, I have two ideas. One was, let's revive West Side Story, which turned out to be the best attended show we've had in the last 10 years. So that was good. And his second idea was, let's do Rocky Horror. And we all went, okay. And then he said, every year. And we all went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And we consulted with a, a woman who's been artistic director of a theater in suburban Philadelphia for many years. And they did it. And she said, well, let me tell you. And we got our pens out. She said, you're going to need security. Okay. So we hired security. We didn't. She said, they're going to trash your theater. They do. (laughs) (laughs) There are two tools for cleaning up from Rocky Horror. The leaf blower and the snow shovel. And then we get down to actual cleaning. Confetti, toilet paper, cards for sorrow, all the things that, that people throw. And we got to the point where we provide them. You can go online, buy your ticket, and buy your bag of props right along with your ticket. We're happy to make it, sell it to you, and clean it up afterwards. But it turned out, being Wilkes-Barre, our history with Rocky Horror has been very friendly. People love it. They have fun. Everybody's happy. And it's been an entirely positive experience. And we look forward to it every year. It's the best Halloween party in town, Mm -hmm. at least this town. And the, the important thing is there's always a big crowd. Jovan, you tell us that you have Alyssa, the choreographer, to thank for your tackling this play as director. How do you talk about the show? The best word I can use for it is unkempt because it is just a hodgepodge of just comedic moments and adult moments and musical numbers and a little bit of horror elements here and there. It's kind of hard to describe, truthfully, but it's more of an experience than anything else. I'd say is the best word. What was your vision? Why did you say, I think I can bring this off in a way? The more I watched the show and different renditions of it and the movie and things like that, I just kind of loved the energy, the the chaos, the the creativity, how it can vary from one show to the next, one performance to the next. It's never one distinct thing. I just thought that was really exciting. And I was I was very interested to see what I could figure out with an incredible cast, an incredible crew. And Rocky Horror is not like anything else. I didn't quite understand it at a gut level till I was in it that you're not really doing theater traditionally. When you do theater, you might get a laugh and you have that reaction. You might get applause, you get that reaction. You get a feeling that the audience is communicating with you. You're you're doing Shakespeare and everybody's very quiet and you can hear their hearts beat. And an actor gets that feedback, but this is a different kind of feedback. This is more like being in a band or doing standup where there, there is no fourth wall, there's not supposed to be, Nobody acknowledges the presence of a fourth wall. And the audience is is yelling at you and commenting on what's happening and insulting you and hooting and hollering. And the, the buzz from the audience never stops. And occasionally, depending on which character, you interact with them too. There's some elements of improv theater out there too. So it's a very different experience to be in Rocky Horror than to be in anything else that I know of. And it's wonderful. Mark, you're playing Eddie. Tell us about your character. 
Well, I think Eddie is really interesting because like most characters in this show, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. When you look at it as a grander piece of media, Rocky Horror symbolizes counterculture and the punk movement of the, of the 70s that existed, along with other things. So I think every single character in this embodies different aspects of that punk culture. Um, Eddie just being the most direct, obvious example. This was a show made for people who weren't getting shows made for them, and that still persists to today. Is it better? Um, I, I think it's different. I, I don't think it's ever been better or worse. You see people coming out for Rocky Horror, both for an audience or for a cast or for a crew that you have never seen in a theater before in their entire lives. Mikhail, you're taking on the role of the narrator, the criminologist. Take us behind the scenes as you create that character. Rocky Horror, as my colleagues have explained, it has a lot of different things. We have stuff for film people with the references to different, and, and these are all over the place references to movies. There's all kinds of crazy stuff from like early rock and roll history. There's LGBT themes going on. When you have this laid out in front of you, you need somebody to come in, pump the brakes for a second and be like, in plain terms, this is what's being put in front of you. There's a lot of different things there. And I like the way it's a criminologist, the way he unpacks everything like it would be a criminal case that he's reading off of a file. And uh, that's what I found interesting about the character. And I actually am very excited about the show for one specific personal reason. This is a legacy performance, and I guess in a way my dad has done Rocky Horror at Little <laughs> Theater before. And this year he couldn't do it, but I was like, I could do it this year. So I, I figured a lot of people I knew who have kept me in theater for a lot longer than I thought I would be were doing this show. So I figured that would be a great show for me to jump in where my dad's not there. I could, I could pop in. <laughs> Alyssa, when we come and we watch the choreography... Do we say, oh, that's from a 40s movie? Are there styles? How do you talk about what you're doing? There's there's so many different backgrounds of dance in this show this year. We experimented with some swing dance. Um, we experimented, there's some tap dance that's thrown in there. There's a whole bunch of different genres. And then there's some things that I was like, let's try this and let's see what it looks like. And I've never seen it before on a stage. And the cast has done a really great job with bringing it. And visually, I, I think this is going to be a showstopper with the dedication and the hard work coming from everybody. David, what roles have you played? Dr. Oh. Scott. Yeah, there's only a couple I can possibly play, and that was one of them. <laughs> and Dr. Scott is the one Janet and Brad are going to... Yeah, they're actually going to see you know Rocky Horror, Eric. Amazing in this script that in some ways can seem very random, and things happen that you think, what on earth was Mr. O'Brien thinking about? You know, how did he structure this together? And yet, if you get familiar with it, in this fairly small script, all the details of the plot are there. It actually makes sense who Dr. Scott is and how he relates to these aliens and why Brad and Janet. And there, there's a lot of political stuff in there that in the 1970s he had pulled out of the horror movies, the thrillers, and the kind of doomsday movies of the 50s and 60s, like Dr. Strangelove, which you know that was one of his big influences. And the Dr. Scott character is not unlike many people, those villains, you know, the guy petting the cat in his lap, you know, they will take over the world, you know, but he's come over to the American side and that historically happened. I mean, there, there's a, there's a lot of background for a lot of stuff in Rocky Horror that may seem there just for comic effect. Tell us about how you're going to set this so that we're creeped out. So I think a lot of it is going to come just from the costuming and the performances. You know, we have Riff Raff, who is kind of the overseeing butler of the hotel, played by my wonderful friend Ryan Carey. He has, well, of course, I don't want to spoil it, but he has a very <laughs> Halloween-esque kind of, if you happen to see him in a dark alley, you're just going to start running the other way, an <laughs> affect to him. 
there's the general tone of Frank, played by Miguel Rivera, how he just dominates and just intimidates based on his very existence on stage. It's a lot of character work. It's a lot of the lighting design. Every element has kind of been pieced together as well as possible to make it as both a little intimidating, a little unsettling, but also just a lot of fun and very, very exciting. Tell us about Brad and Janet. I'm very excited for Brad and Janet. Brad is played by Jordan Mailer, and we have Gracie Jane Sinclair as Janet. I've never seen Brad and Janet played like this with this dynamic before. It's a bit different, and uh, I like it a lot. I think it's very modern in a show that sometimes can come off as not so modern. I think we've done, we've taken a lot of steps to move it in that direction. We were speaking earlier, Mike, Eddie, about the past and the present. What are you thinking as you're going on in rehearsal and having different experiences every night? I'm sure it's true. What is it saying to us today if it started in the 70s and it's now 2022? Is it different? Yeah, completely. So I think on a grand scale, the big thing is like when it first came along, you weren't getting shows like this ever. And the problem is, is that over time, Counterculture became so big, it was no longer counterculture, where shows that were previously critical of things or seemed out there became million-dollar donated giant productions. And Rocky Horror has had that route many times. It's hard to believe in the kind of small-knit counterculture aspect of a show with $15 million behind it. And not that those shows aren't fantastic. I mean, they are. But when you take that show and you pluck it out of there and shove it back into a small venue and you get to feel that, you know, everyone's only 15 feet away from you. I think that has given it new context. I think the cult aspect of a show like Rocky Horror is something that we see now as a little more common with how big fandom is in every regard, that if you're not there, it could come across as not as unique anymore. But now the moment you get in there, it's like if a normal show is an interaction between a crew and a cast, there's three in this show. And it's the audience is just as much a part as that, the crew or the cast. I completely agree. And, you know, I think that theater is very emblemic of acceptance. And I don't often see productions where there isn't a variety of uh, sexual orientations or genders or gender identities or ages. And that's what I think Rocky Horror can be, I think, the biggest signifier of, regardless of age, sexual orientation, gender, things like that. There is a roof available under which we can all stand. And I think that in the 70s, that might have been a little more taboo and people may not have responded to it in the best way. But I think as the culture has begun to shift and change and better our attitudes towards those groups, it's become a lot more accepting and In that respect, I think Rocky continues to shine perhaps brighter than it ever has in some respects because now we can all really enjoy it and see what sort of a world we like to open to people who come through the the local community theater scene. Something that actually came to my mind when we've been talking about this was George Lucas said this on film, but it applies here as well. Art is never finished. It's abandoned. No one has ever abandoned Rocky Horror throughout the years when something has come up that people find issue with for whatever reason there's an attempt made to fix it change it recontextualize it so that the people who there's like i I guess an ambiguous group of people who identify with this show there's just people who love rocky horror for whatever reason and the show has been changed and adapted to fit with those people so they can still enjoy it and i think that that's something so cool and makes every production so unique David, this is going to be the eighth annual production of Rocky Horror at the Little Theater. And you said you finally figured out, you think, what Richard O'Brien was up to. To me, O'Brien was 
compiling a lot of his influences. And he goes way back. I mean, some of the things he mentions, Dr. X built a creature. The Dr. X movies from the 30s, and it predates the Hayes Code, which, which is, limited the, the racy content and the violent content of films. So it's a film that did things they couldn't do for decades. And the, the films of the 50s, the monster movies, the science fiction movies, the doomsday movies, he's clearly a fan of all this. And he, he kind of makes a, a fruitcake of all this stuff with all these little things that he's baked into it. And, and he takes those characters and those ideas and those things that happen in science fiction movies. There's always kind of a sexual element in there. There's an element of danger. And, and people went to see them for various reasons. It wasn't just entertainment. And he translates that into what is clearly a 1960s-based plea for self-expression, no matter who you are. And to go places that were seen in the Britain of the 50s and 60s as entirely taboo. And to say, these are harmless things. In fact, they're possibly good things. And he combines that kind of 60s revolutionary thought, socially revolutionary, with all this stuff that, that stuck into his brain over the years and came up with something completely unique and, in, in my view, kind of brilliant and wrote some darn good music. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's songs in that show that, that could have been on the top 40 in WARM in 1973, but, but they happen to be embedded in Rocky Horror. Once in a while, I'm going home. Uh, these are beautiful, beautiful songs that just pop out of nowhere. So it's it's a, a, a marvelous little concoction of things that I don't think you can compare to anything else. And maybe that's part of the reason people love it so much and can't get enough of it. Jovan, as the director, what do you think when you hear David talking like that about the show? I think that he's spot on, you know, especially in his remarks regarding the non-existent fourth wall and how the audience... It's, it's sort of like Amateur Night at the Apollo, where from moment one, they'll be very vocal about what they think, about what you're doing, and it's just a matter of, of, of fighting through the noise and getting to the end of the show, but also embracing <laughs> that, that chaos and that craziness, as well as, as he said, it's just a very incomparable show. You know, there's nothing on the market like it. There have been many attempts. O'Brien actually did a sequel to Rocky Horror, I believe it's called Shock Treatment, Shock Treatment. yeah, in the, I believe, early 80s, and... Even he wasn't able to fully embrace the untapped potential that was within Rocky. You can do this show or that show a million times, but seeing Rocky for the first time, it'll embed itself in your memory. Whether it's positive or negative, it sticks with you. And that's why I think its legacy is as prolonged as it is and prolonged as I think it will be for the decades and decades to come. There isn't anything like it at all. And I think it's so easy to write it off as B-movie so bad it's good. And, and there's definitely a lot of that in it. But I, I think it's too competent to be written off as that. I think it has things to say and it might take the most curvy mountainside path to get to what it has to say. But it certainly gets there eventually. And it's it's like when, when you and your friends have a joke that we all know and no one really remembers why we found it funny in the first place. But we keep saying it to each other. It's like that, but with millions of people around the world. And Alyssa, how about the movement part of it then in the course of what we've just been saying? Yeah, I would say every time you see Rocky Horror, no matter where you go, you know, Little Theater has been doing it for years. It's always different. And this year, I think the movement piece of it, Jovan and I talked about it for hours. We really wanted the movement piece to be 
to be there and to be such a big part of the show that I think it, it was successful. And I think it just adds an extra element and extra layer to such complex and mind boggling to some people's show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And th- this has turned out to be a nice fit for our theater. And I, I think maybe one of the reasons is the, the spirit in that old place. I mean, it's a 1940 building and it's got the original giant mahogany showcases in the lobby. It had operated as a movie theater from 1940 to 1955. So those showcases held the posters for some of the films that he's referencing in Rocky Horror. So, you know, if there's such a thing as a, a theater vibe, we certainly have it. You know, it, it's a good place to, to put that show that's written about creaky old films where those films once played. Don't dream it. Be it. Don't dream it. David Parmalee, Little Theater's general manager, who is playing Dr. Scott this year, Javon Barnes, director, Alyssa Thomas, choreographer, and actors Michael Speranzo, who plays Eddie, and Mikhail Baden, who is the narrator, criminologist in the cast, speaking with us about Little Theater's eighth annual production of Rocky Horror, a true tradition now. There will be performances at the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week, October 27th, 28th, and 29th. Shows at 8 o'clock Thursday and Friday, and 7 and midnight on Saturday. The theater is located at 537 North Main Street in Wilkes-Barre. And for more information on the web, ltwb.org, ltwb.org. And it's the Rocky Horror Show, the eighth production at the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, 537 North Main Street in Wilkes-Barre, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday this week at 8 o'clock Thursday and Friday and 7 o'clock and midnight this Saturday. For more information on the web, ltwb.org. Be it. Be it.